you want to keep talking about how I'm not wearing pants during this interview? Yeah, I think you need to put your pants on. I don't have any. They're all being washed. They're in the dryer right now. That is not a good excuse. That is weak sauce right there. Nobody can see nothing. It's all shoulder up. You can't tell I'm not wearing pants. That's just because I told you I wasn't wearing pants. You wouldn't even know. It's the principle. It's the principle. Do you remember our vice principal in high school that she was hot? I'm not going to go there with you right now. You do remember. You have a big smile on your face right now. <laughs> I'm, I remember for, other, for different <laughs> reasons than you do. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Why do you remember? Did she teach you how to uh, play pinochle? No, I, I never um, endeavored into that land. But I did hear rumors about other people who did. Oh, see, now you're the one starting rumors. I was just, man, you get messy sometimes, Sean. I, I didn't say anything. I just said I heard that other somebody else said something. Yeah, I didn't say anything. You said something. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, before Zade jumps on here, I want to shout somebody out. Okay, go for it. Let me see. I wrote their name down. It's this cleric Wilf- who just Wilford? dressed us all like a saint. Wilford. Wilford, Wilford of Mischief. I don't know mm-hmm. if you listen to podcasts, Wilford, or if somebody knows you on Mischief and they can say, hey, you should check out this podcast because they shouted you out. Wilford was a saint, dude. Wilford came correct today. It's true. Yeah, we uh, we had a sweet soul. I keep calling it soul A. And then people are like, do you mean soul? It's I. I. Yeah, it's soul, soul I. What is soul A and soul B then? What? Well... I think that it's ju- it's soul sec- solasek I is the the dungeon that it is now, and solasek right. B is the place that is you know next the deeper part where Navekin's Slayer, otherwise known as right. Negafin. That's not fun. Then you know, oh man, you're on fire today. But the uh, the truth of the matter is that I think it was just a, one of those things. It's just like so and so. I think it's just that different people, people yeah. thought it was soul A when it's really soul I. You know, so Wilford rezzed us. Thank you so much, Wilford, because we had a sweet group, group going in bar. We gained a level, like we're cranking along, and then we wipe, and it sucked. And it's like, oh, no. But the Wilford just hooked us up, rezzed, then we gained another level. And we donated, yeah. but it probably wasn't even worth their time. Since now I'm noticing that what you do in your high level is you just take a camp in Soul A, right? And you just you just farm, you farm for loot, loot. And it's pretty good. It, yeah, it works out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to be doing that for sure. Right now I get pissed because we go into Soul A and I'm like, oh, good. Only 12 people in here. Plenty of camps open. No, half of them are just level 50 people sitting at a camp. Oh, sorry. I'm camping this one for my alts or something. Uh, you know, you, you can get frustrated, but you just got to wait. Then it pick comes along. You get frustrated, Sean. Mm-hmm. You get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I don't hear it in your voice at all. And then we get another pick and then we got the bar and then that was good. Cause we got a lot of names and a lot of great drops. Um, we got a few ourselves. We got the goblin ring and you got the goblin ring. I still haven't gotten nothing. Oh, I think somebody mailed us stuff. If you're out there and you mailed us stuff. Thank you. I still have to I find know the who mailbox. It is. It's fast and fast. I know fast and mailed me well, a bunch strikes. Of I know strikes sent me something. Cause he sent me a message. I didn't know fast and sent us anything. Maybe it's because I was dunking on him so hard. The last time we did a uh, podcast, just me and you. I'm going to guess that fast and didn't send you anything, but that's just my guess. <laughs> Well, I tried to roll on a black flowing robe today and it said, it's Lauren, you have one. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. And so yeah. I'm wondering if there's one sitting in the mail. 
I lost on that role too. I was a little bit upset by it, but you know, what are you going to do? You just got to let it go. Dude, I don't have anything. I literally just have cloth. I, I, I'm trying to think, what do I have? I have, I have some weird wand somebody gave me that doesn't do nothing for me because it's like a weapon proc, but I have no gear. And what I'm noticing is mages don't really need gear. <laughs> they never get hit. They're like the last person in the group to start taking hits, it seems like. <laughs> Yeah, well, that probably means you're sitting around a lot, too, and just having what? your pet going, whoops, sorry, did I say that out loud? If I start oh. nuking at 85%, then, oh, we got Zade coming in, coming in hot. We got Zade coming in. We got him coming in, ladies and gentlemen. I can see his room. Zade, if you can hear this, we are recording. Full disclosure. I only see his room, Sean. Where is he? He's doing a special thing. He's going to just appear out of nowhere and be like, what's up? Well, do you think he's a ghost? No. Mm -mm. Oh, he's configuring. Oh, sweet. He's doing configurations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we uh we got that bar going again, and that was a sweet camp. And I remember I was saying to Sean, I'm like, all right, Sean. Usually we only do like two two and a half hours, but this morning I would really want to do a good long session because it's not often. It like you know, it takes most time just to get the camp going, and then once you get it going, you just got to hit it hard. So I'm like, let's just hit it hard, and then you know, like 15 minutes later. Oh, we got Zaid. There got it you. is. Zaid, can you hear us? Uh, I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you and you can oh, you hear can. us. That's good. Perfect. Okay. And good. we are recording. Fair warning. All right. Got it. <laughs> so we're ready to go. Sean and I were just talking about not important stuff. Let's talk about some important stuff now that Zaid's here. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Good, good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. Sean's nodding his head over there. You doing good, Sean? I'm great. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. That sure is. It's a nice hot day. It's we're, we're in those summer days where if you want to go out and take a nice walk, you know, it's a good time for that. I'm liking yeah. it. How about you? Are you hitting the AC? Are you, are you in the Are you the in a place where it's getting like too hot now, where it's starting to tip over that edge and it's kind of yeah, pulled back like, in? It's like uncomfortable when you go to your car yeah <laughs> sweet i love it what about like uh you ever get it where the seatbelt's too hot to like grab you know what i'm talking about I yeah yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah we're not we're not there just yeah i think today was like 97 Ooh, i like it all right so you've been staying super busy zade i know you recently like you got to 50 in a hot minute when mischief came out and i want to steer everybody towards return to everquest another podcast out there because they did a wonderful job anthony and the guys of interviewing you of exactly how you got to 50 and the whole journey because you like broke records on that thing right i mean i don't know that anyone tracks it like so it's hard for me to say i broke records i i broke my personal best though <laughs> so i could say i could say that i did the best i've ever done so I saw a screenshot of you, I think, when you hit 50, because I think that thing just kind of went around the, you know, EverQuest internet, you know, the internet, yeah. the EverQuest uh, community. And I saw a picture of, is it Zade Z? Is that your name? Uh, well, it was a Z because someone had already taken the name Zade. Right. So I saw right. Zade Z and I saw a picture and I'm like, where is he? Because I saw this weird, like two-headed dragon lizard looking thing right next to him. And I'm like, he, I'm assuming he took this pick as soon as he hit 50 for like posterity. But where the heck were you? Because I saw like a weird two-headed serpent in the picture or something. Right. Yeah, I was in Ocean of Tears on an island called the Elite Goblin Island. Um, and I was charming him. Well, we were charming two mobs uh, named Alizusaur. It's like a level 50 uh, dinosaur that spawns there. That's sweet. 
I've never even seen that thing. That was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. If it, so if anybody wants to hear about that journey and how to do it, if you want to get to 50 quick, again, go to Return for EverQuest. Uh, Zade lays it all down. Um, so Zade, once once you guys did that and you start hitting the serious raids, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, what, what's it like raiding on Mischief? Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it was rough. Uh, at first, it's rough because, you know, you have a guild of this size. There's a lot of new people in it. Um, who haven't played in a long time or some people who are playing for their first time and you're trying to do these raids and the, the raids mechanically are simple but eq rates are kind of like if one person makes a, a big mistake <laughs> it can it can go south quickly so we had some of that but we've uh, pretty much dialed it in um and and we're rating pretty well right now but yeah those first raids uh were fun i mean the, the very first one we did finny we just did with six people uh my group as soon as we hit 50 we went over and killed finny by ourselves with no tank. And that was a lot of fun. That was like a 30 minute fight where we just like chain mezzed and stunned him in between nukes. That's sweet. Um, but yeah, then we did the dragons and the gods and we went to plane of hate and we found, you know, we were doing it fast enough that we were basically beta testing the server loot rules for right. the, the devs, right? Like uh, originally spike golems were dropping dragon loot and plane of hate and they fixed that in like 30 minutes. Really? Yeah. So. Spike Golems dropped like two cloak of flames when we first sent Ooh. first got into hate, and then you know, within an hour it was fixed. So they they literally hot fixed it while the server was live. Now, wow. didn't they fix something else? I saw there was something about buying something called a tiny companion, and it was broken yep. or something like that. Can you explain this to us? Yeah, so there was this tiny companion that you could buy from the store, which gave you a permanent well, not a permanent, it gave me a give you a really long duration buff that increased your mana cap um, by like 150 or 200 mana. And, and uh, it stacked with everything. And uh, it was funny. I put an announcement on our Discord. I was like, everybody buy this right now. And like 10 minutes later, it was gone. <laughs> and then they went and they, they removed it from everybody's, uh, everybody's character too. So nobody actually had it for anything important. Oh, yeah. Um, the, no, they break games really good at doing refunds. I accidentally bought a bunch of Chrono on the wrong character the other day. They gave hmm. it all back and were just like, hey, just try to do it on the right character next time. So way to go, they break games. Yeah, they've been phenomenal. Uh, Darkpaw, uh, Darkpaw, and uh, and all the staff there just outstanding. Really great job. The best server launch I've ever seen. One of the most creative rule sets implemented extremely well. People like get banana shape about the few bugs that we saw, but really they're super minor compared to what could have gone wrong. This is very minor stuff. It was pretty stable, right? Like everybody was oh, yeah. kind of talking about how stable it was and how how there weren't really any major issues at all. I played on every TLP and I've never played on one that was so, uh, so well done. Hmm. Yeah. I'd heard like, uh, sometimes they would only let on what 500 or a thousand people those first couple of days. So you had to wait to see if you were one of those people, but did they not do that? Or were we just lucky? Cause it seemed like when I wanted to log on as, as long as it wasn't the first few minutes of the server being up, we were just allowed to log on. Usually they let it be, they let you get in in waves. They'll do like waves of 100, 200, 300, 400. And, you know, within a couple hours, they got the server cap reached and there's a real queue in. Uh, but typically the first hour or couple hours, it's like an artificial queue as they're easing people in because the uh, the the character creation servers will crash. And then you you like the world is up, but no one can get into it. So they they, uh, they reduce it to a trickle for that. Um this server was super fast. My whole group was within was in game within like the first hour, which usually takes us like four hours to get the whole group in. So uh, it was it was really good. And I think they you know they said they said last time that they were doing a lot of stuff on the back end and, and cleaning up databases and improving hardware and everything so that 
the launches in the future would always be cleaner. And to be honest, I didn't believe them. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's probably gonna probably gonna be worse than ever. Um, but wow, yeah, they showed us wrong, right? Like J Chan, great job with that. Great job, J Chan. That's amazing. Do those guys play alongside? Like, are they in game too? Do they test? Um, do you know? Do they do they test alongside? Um, I'm sure they do. Um, but I can't say for sure who they are or, where they, or how they play, you know what I mean? And right. each dev is different. Some devs are way more hip to like TLP than others, you know? Um, I, I do feel like our Discord gets a very good response time, like the Faceless <laughs> Discord right now, better than I've ever seen before. So I, I kind of wonder sometimes, like I'll put something in there and if it's an exploit or someone we catch like, doing something unscrupulous, it tends to get addressed very quickly, much more quickly than I've ever seen before. Like faster than if you submit a petition, it could be just happenstance, right? But like that, uh, like a lot of the loot, the weird loot things we found got fixed very fast. And a lot of like the the stuff where you see somebody and, and it's like 30 characters logged in, like being sort of automated. And I'm like, hey, look at that. And then all of a sudden like a GM shows up. What are these weird loot things you would see? You mentioned once, I, I remember on the other podcast, I think you said you saw 20 items on one creature. Uh, would that be one of the bugs you're talking about? Or do you see some other weird things? The 20 items on one creature thing, I think is intended. Um, it's, it's like hitting the lottery. Uh, basically, like if you can imagine every time you kill a mob that is affected by the loot rules here, it flips, a, like it spawns it with a loot table, a randomized loot table. And then it flips a coin. If the coin lands on heads, sorry, if the coin lands on tails, it stops, that's it, and it, it's done. If it lands on heads, it gives it another loot table and then flips the coin again. So and really, I don't know if there times. is a ceiling on that, right? Like how many times it could hit heads if you're crazy lucky. Uh, I, and I think that's an amazing, awesome feature. One of the other big loot bugs we saw was the golems in Plane of Fear, yeah. um, which are mini bosses. Normally they drop a ball of ever-living golem and that's pretty much it. There's like one other item they could drop. A slime blood of Cassic Fool, that's what it is. Uh, but they were dropping god loot and dragon loot, which is cool, <laughs> but they they spawn in pick zones, which is a big problem. So like for a couple days, there was no reason to raid any target except for golems because you just okay. go to fear and like taking a raid into plane of fear generates two pick zones. So you uh, kill all the golems, then you zone out, the pick zones close, and you zone back in and they, they open again and the golems have respawned because it's a new zone. So what's your incentive to tell the GMs this? I mean, wouldn't you want to do it a bunch of times first? Or where's your mind at when you find something like that and you did eventually let them know? Uh, yeah, I, I, my guild members are going to get mad at me about this. Okay, uh, I changed subjects. So you no, 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 Magic it's, the it's, Gathering, right? What colors do you like? No, it's okay, though. But like usually when I encounter a bug, I, I tell the GMs like right away. Not okay. Well, not the GMs. I, I usually have a few devs that I'll like PM and be like, hey, by the way, there's this thing. I'm going to use it until you tell me not to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you should fix it. Um, what's the incentive? I don't know. Just like wanting to be, wanting to do the right thing, you so, know, I like guess. The paladin. We've discussed this, right? Right, right. Like the paladin. <laughs> now, like we still, we still exploit it, which a lot of people will criticize. But that goes back into like the, the guild leadership mentality, right? Like you feel like you owe the guild a certain product, a certain right. uh, experience, and I'm not gonna tell them not to kill mobs, right? So if the, right. the way forward is obvious, you could go with the way forward and you face the repercussions when they come. Mm -hmm. 
did did when I know we were last time we talked to you, we were talking about this guild and starting it up and everything that you were expecting from it. Has it is it everything you expected? Is it more than you anticipated? Is it exactly what you thought it would be? It's, it's uh, more than we anticipated for sure. It's it's there's a lot of growing pains. There's a lot of like identity, you know, finding the identity of the guild because we originally wanted it to be a casual guild, you know, and it just kind of grew and took on a life of its own. It it, it like refused to be casual, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. But like the the big thing is the administrative burden, um, because you're expecting to kill a certain number of raid mobs and they drop about three pieces of loot, but like that first week we're killing like one raid mob and it drops more loot than we expected to get from all the raid mobs combined. You know what I mean? You're right. like, we got, we got five more to kill. You know what I mean? So just trying to, to manage all that is, was, and remains a challenge even, even to this point. Cause it's just nuts. Yeah. So Sean and I didn't get up to 50 to be able to experience a lot of those ones that are happening. How does it actually work when a bunch of things drop? Do you start shouting out, let's start bidding or does all the bidding happen in discord? How do you manage that when the guy drops 20 items or do you loot right, them all yeah. and figure it out later? Yeah, we, we, we loot it all on officers and then we bid it out in discord. We want to bid it out in discord to maximize the number of people who can place bids. And we usually keep bids open for about 12 to 24 hours. So people have time to, you know, fight over it and we'd really get to see who's going to spend the most. And then uh, we close the bids at a predetermined time. And then we send everyone the items once they pay. And then once we have all the payments, we split it out to everyone who attended the raid. And that, you know, you get that as a, as a profit for attending the raid. And you have um, to mail that to everybody? Yes. Wow. That's work. It is a lot of work. Uh, fortunately, I don't do it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> some of the other people do. I mean, it's crazy. You'll have like, you, you got to think like, um every day pretty much you're doing four raids at least every single day and every raid might have 70 to 100 people on it so you bid out the items and it's like that's like 400 it's like 400 parcels you have to send every single day wow uh, you mentioned picks earlier about getting two of them when you do fear sean and i are still learning this and we really love the pick system i think it's something we didn't expect because you know on p99 it sucks when you're like let's go to permafrost and you spend a long time getting there and then it's all just yep. super camped right and you're like well yep, exactly what do you do now i guess you know uh, this is really cool that you can switch around to picks but we're wondering like what are the little tricks like how high does a zone have to get before it starts a new pick uh, when does a pick dissolve like how few people have to be in it before it just goes away all of a sudden can you give us a little more uh, insight into how this pick mechanic works yeah definitely so every every uh pick zone actually is, is a little bit different. It depends on like mob density and, and zone size and stuff like that. So like one zone might have a pick at 23 people. Like I think Soleil has a real low cap, 23 or so will generate a pick. And other zones um, like West Karana might take like 50 people to get a pick zone. And then um, if you fall below a certain threshold, which is again, different for every zone, then they'll close that second pick. And what they'll say is you'll get a message in that pick. It'll say, hey, um, this zone is going to be closing in 15 minutes. And no one else will be able to join the zone a lot of times. They'll close it so it doesn't appear anymore. Okay. And you just have 15 minutes to like do whatever you're doing. Things will stop respawning. And then uh, if you don't get out at the 15-minute mark, the zone closes. You automatically, it's just like if someone cast a port spell, right? Suddenly you're just zoning. Right. And it puts you into like the uh, the sucker point where where you would go if you evac in the base zone, usually right next to one of the zone lines. Mm -hmm. 
Another feature we're not used to is Chrono. And yeah. uh, shout out to all of our patrons because uh, you're helping us. Uh, you're helping us pay for our TLP accounts, and we. Uh, I, I bought some Chrono for Sean so he doesn't have to bill his credit card anymore. And I gave him five Chrono, and he's like, "How do I use these? We've never used a Chrono. Uh, how do we use them?" Okay, so uh, if you go to your like around the Chrono in your inventory, you, you at least know where it is in your inventory, right? Yep. It like goes to a special spot. It won't just sit in a slot usually. Um, you just click consume and it'll consume one chrono and that will give you one month of playtime. Okay. From the time you consume it, just boom, add 30 days. Then okay. what happens if you, okay, so then you go and you shut down your credit card with the system or whatever so you don't accidentally get billed. Then what happens if the 30 days of chrono gets used up? How do you log back in to use your next chrono? You can log into one of the non-premium servers oh. because chrono are not on a character. They're on the account. So any character you make on that account on any server has access to all the chrono. What about we bought the, those special weight reduction bags? Um, mm -hmm. Sean kind of talked me into them, actually. And I wonder if it's because he's going to be starting a monk alt. And he's like, I need to get these dang bags, man. So we got They're incredibly bags. valuable. Yeah. Can you transfer those between your characters in the in your bank vault? Yes, you can. If, if an item has a tag called heirloom, that means it can be placed in the, sh the shared bank and passed to other characters. So it's like no drop, which means you can't trade it to someone else from a different account. But if you have an alt that you just want to pass it down to, you can share bank it. Sweet. And then the, the yep. bags also came with a couple of cool items, like a couple of EXP potions. If we, yeah, those are not heirloom. They're, okay. If we crack these things and we, it says it lasts for four hours. If we die two hours in, does it go away like a buff or does it keep going? No, it stays. Nothing. You can't dispel it. It doesn't go away. Like when, when you die, even zoning in the plane of sky won't dispel it. Yeah, everything okay, is good. Sweet. Yeah. All right, sweet. All right, you mentioned you said, Sky. Yeah, when they uh, so when they first added all those potions to the the store, Plain of Sky actually used to dispel them. And you'd be <laughs> like, uh, Plain of Sky just deleted twenty dollars worth of money buffs. Oh. All right, Sean, you're gonna have to interrupt me if you want to talk here because I got so many questions. You mentioned Plain of Sky. A lot of us were wondering when Mischief came out if you'd just be able to keep spawning the Spyrock Lord over and over and over and over and over again and getting dragon and god loot. Is that answer is that question answered? Plain of Sky loot has not been randomized. It's all just dropping what it should be in the really? same amount that it should be. Yeah. Is that the only zone where this is happening? It's the only full zone, I think. Finnegal uh, loot is also not randomized at all. And then there's some mobs which I think are unintentionally broken, like uh, Magus Rokel, the, the fire giant by Lord Nagafin. His loot is not randomized. Um, but yeah, I think the, the problem with Planet of Skies is just so much quest loot. If they did randomize it, it would actually flood and ruin all the other loot tables. Right. Um, and then Finnegal, I think, is probably just because his respawn timer is so short and he is so trivial, even though he is a raid mob. Um, they didn't want to, you know, you could just get a, a cloak of flames every four hours. Oh, that was a big inhale, Sean. It's Sean, he looks like he's going to ask something. He has like his hand on his chin, like he's thinking about something. Yeah. <laughs> just considering over there. All right. So, uh, then as far as the loot go, do you, have you found that the, is the economy what you expected? Like things I've been wondering is. I've been hearing you can get some pretty, you can get planar gear, like kind of cheap, depending on the piece. Now, obviously not all of them are cheap. Maybe breastplates are still expensive, but some things are cheaper than people thought they would be maybe because so much loot is dropping off of certain mobs, but it's been making me wonder what's happening to the other sides of the economy, like the crafting economy. 
like our sow potions more or less expensive than a normal server or what about a specific item like a levy cloak like a peggy cloak is that like through the roof because you don't know where to go to find it what are the how is the overall economy shaken out I think overall, everything is much cheaper than it would have been on any other server. Like on other servers, they would sell Pegasus Cloak loot rights or planar armor loot rights. So you could come up and loot it yourself if you paid people. Um, yeah, but it's much cheaper. It's a buyer's market. Personally, I like it because I buy loot. I don't sell loot. <laughs> like whenever I'm done with gear, I just like go give it to somebody. Nice. Um, so I like it. But if you are someone who likes to really farm and sell gear, it's not it's maybe not as as good for you um but yeah i love it and when i go to the common lands tunnel a lot of times like i can't keep up with my chat box you know what i mean i can't even read it all so uh, i found it very compelling there's things i don't like like people camping bottleneck mobs um not to just do for themselves but in order to force people to you know they're basically ransoming certain like epic bottleneck mobs i think that's uh distasteful to put it politely so in because epic mobs aren't out yet, but you're saying you can start farming some of those items now for once Kunark does drop. Right. Yeah, you can work on some. I mean, depending on on the class, some epics you can get closer than others. Like monk, you can do uh, pretty much the whole first half. You can get up to the robe of the lost circle during classic, which means you just have to do the two pipes in the final four fights on a monk um, mage. You can get all you know your your staffs and stuff. Rogue can get a bunch of the robes and all that. Um, and people will attempt to lock those down, like the monk epic mob in particular, the the brother Q and Z, people will try to kill those to sell the robes and stuff. Okay. Same thing with um the boots, right? There have been I've, I've seen people upset about the fact that or not maybe they're upset, but the, the fact that J boots are too easy to get now. But something about I, I don't know, I guess I didn't understand the argument, but uh they're they're super easy to get, that's for sure. But um I mean like yeah, I don't know why people would be upset about it. They're cheap. They're like a chrono or less. I think they're significantly less than a chrono now. So I think that's really good. I mean, I almost don't even play characters without at least J boots. You know what I mean? So like the first thing I'll do when I when I make a new character is make sure I, I get an MQ for J boots on a normal server. Uh, so I think it's awesome. Yeah. But to be fair, J boots are not just dropping. Like you still have to do the quest. It's just right. that the ancient Cyclops, his loot is super common. Um, on mischief because there are two separate mobs called an ancient cyclops at different level ranges and they only drop the ring so it makes the ring very common mm -hmm. um so can we talk a little bit of lore we take a little break from the from the uh, mischief here for a second now that we got you here yeah i'll do my best i've been out of the lore game for for a little what? bit but we'll try Oh yeah, and by the way, I've told you this, but I got to tell of our all of our listeners as far as you downplaying yourself when it comes to lore. I was talking to one of the developers about being on the show, and I'm like, "It's a big deal that we got you," and he's like, "Yeah, well, no, I'm not a big deal like Zaid or like Bobby." Yeah. I'm like, "You made the yeah. game, dude. <laughs> These guys yeah. are like, no, I'm not like Zaid. I'm not that into EQ. I don't know that much about the game. You made it. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all we're all in their debt." Um, Solasek I, uh, or Solasek A, that's where Sean and I have been spending a lot of time lately. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that place? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so in the game, there's not, there's really not a whole lot of detail about Solasek A, but if you get the EQRPG, like the D&D campaign books, they, they go into a, a good bit more detail. So, uh, to talk about Solasek A, we kind of have to just talk about the whole region. 
First, Lava Storm Mountains. There's a big pool of lava there, right? Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that is supposedly where Solasek Road punched Norath, and that that is where his fist impacted it, left that pool of lava. And we had Bobby on recently, and I think he told us a little about this. Isn't there two brothers, sisters, Solasek Rower, that's two brothers or something? I'm probably you, messing uh, this up. You're thinking of Irolisi Mar and Nathaniel Mar. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. darn it. Sorry. I watched Bobby's episode, by the way. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> retain anything. Okay, so you got Solasek Rower. He punches the earth, lava pool. Yep. Yep. And um, so then all sorts of, you know, uh, fire-related creatures are naturally attracted to this. Um Nagafen is imprisoned in Solasek B by the Ring of Scale for trying to break the laws of the dragons. He wants to mate with Lady Vox, the dragon of opposing natures, which is one of the rules set forth by Vishan. They can't do it. So Nagafen's in prison there. He can't leave. But while he's there, he discovers this magical artifact called the Heart of Fire, something left behind by Solasek Bro. And Nagafen is able to use this, this uh, magical gem, basically, um, to manipulate the creatures around and create uh monstrosities or enhanced enhanced beings so that heart of fire uh you guys if you ever go into nagafin's room just look up and there's this big red gem on the ceiling that's what it is sweet so there's the gnomes in soul a and a free lord jarn are all there for that same reason too they're looking for the heart of fire they don't know that nagafin are you know already is sitting right underneath it but they've for some reason sensed it and they're trying to get that 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 gem. So anyway, Nagafin being a dragon and having this now magical power has attracted a lot of things, right? The kobolds there worship him as a god and the fire giants see him as a king, a god king sort of, but you know, fire giants serve him because he's more powerful than them. Okay. And then the goblins are more or less pressed into servitude by his power and the power of the other factions, which take him a little bit more seriously. The goblins for their part, um, don't really see Nagafan. They just see his enforcers. They don't really like him, but you know, he's a lot bigger than them. So they're not going to complain. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the goblins have a King and he, he runs most of the, the Solasek eight region himself. But if you look, there's a, a kobold rare spawn that can spawn there called a kobold predator. Yeah. That tells us a lot about what we need to know about the relationship between the goblin faction and the kobold faction that serve under Nagafan, right? The only kobold in the zone is now nah, he's not like the kobold guardian. He's not like the kobold diplomat. He's a predator. There's only one thing for him to prey upon in that zone. It's goblins. So they, uh, those two factions are actually at conflict. And then you see another, uh, another creature in Solasek A of note is Singe, the fire drake. Yeah. yeah. So Singe considers, uh, according to the EQ RPG D&D books, considers Nagafin to be his father and will boast about that. But in reality, he's just a, he's like, you know, obviously a low level Drake that was created by Nagafin and imbued with sentience through the the heart of fire, that magical gem. Oh, so he kind of is his father. I thought it was more pitiful than that, where he was just some random Drake who's like, oh, hey, dad. No, I'm not your dad. Right. Well, (laughs) like the random Drakes aren't even smart enough to like have conversations. Right. So Sinja is just, he was raised up a little bit by Nagafin, but uh, Nagafin reportedly is like just amused by the fact that Singe goes around being like, oh yeah, my dad, the dragon. (laughs) You know, he likes it. Yeah. So Singe goes around there and throws his weight around with the goblins. But for their part, the goblins really don't like Nagafin and don't want to be under his rule. It's just like, you know, they're sort of stuck that way. They fight with the, the goblins, though they don't fight in game because it would just be too exploitable, right? You just train them right. into each other and, right. and profit off the faction war. But uh, the goblins 
came there from Akinon in order to mine to that heart of fire and try to capture it. Well, yeah, I was wondering when, when they showed up with like the CWG gnomes and stuff like that, it, it's not the actual gnomes that showed up. It's these mechanical gnomes or are there actual gnomes down there too? Cause I still, still don't quite understand the mechanical gnomes versus the actual. I remember when we started some gnomes and went outside, I think we killed a mechanical gnome. We weren't supposed to and got some bad faction hits, uh, two different groups of people or. Yeah, so the there are real gnomes there, and there are mechanical ones. The okay. mechanical ones are called clockworks, so okay. that's something that the gnomes basically create through tinkering. Um, clockworks occasionally go rogue, and those are the ones that you're supposed to kill as a gnome. Uh, the rogue clockworks, okay. they, you know, they they malfunction. Um, but if you accidentally kill one of the not rogue ones, then your faction will go down. So you guys probably killed like a cleaner or something. They have like yes. little little rogue, or sorry, little rat uh, yes. robots that go around and clean and stuff. Um, but yeah, so. The leadership there in Solosec A for the gnomes is uh, a captain, Bip, Bip Nupple, maybe that's his name, and Gabby. Those are the two, the two big named goblin or uh, gnomes. And then the other, most of the other denizens there are clockworks. And that's just because they're more uh, skilled at mining in those that that environment than a gnome would be. So maybe you can give us a tip now. So we've been having a lot of fun in Soul A. We've been doing bar and king, getting some fun loot. Like today, you know, some feather, some gator scale leggings dropped off of like the torturer and we gave it to a druid in the group and he was super happy. We're having a lot of fun. So now we hit 29. We're not sure whether we go to lower gook or solasec B at this point. You got any tips? 29. Lower gook. 29. Right, Sean? Did you guys, did you say you're willing to kill the gnomes or you don't want to do gnomes? Uh, Sean, what do you? <laughs> I mean, Akinon's Akinon's our home. Does, does, uh, it matter? does it matter? I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter. Matter. We can just get right our stuff from West like, Freeport, right? Just go to Freeport right? and get all of our stuff. Yeah. No more origins. Um, if you if you want to kill the gnomes, you can go to thirty four real easy in Soul Sec A. Um, otherwise, at twenty nine, I wouldn't go to Soul B. I'd go to Lower Guck. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I hear bedrooms a popular place, but is there another camp we should keep our eye out for too that we're looking for? Kind of the easier parts of Lower Guck. Uh, well, bedroom is is traditionally like the first camp you hit in Lower Guck, but if you can, I would take an an ass up group, which is assassin and supplier. Ass wow. up group, I love it. Right, yeah, I don't not to right, but yeah, so that 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 is a uh, just right past the bedroom camp, and that'll carry you to like the mid thirties, you do that and you just sort of walk downstairs to the next camp, which is a XE Cav Sag or a Executioner Cavalier Sage. You do that camp and then, you know, break it to safe hall. Lower Guck is really good because you just kind of melt through it as you gain okay. levels. Uh, it's a very smooth transition. And you know Lower Guck more than most. You've gained many a levels down there, right? Uh, I've done a lot of levels. I don't know if I, you know, I, I don't want to say I know it better than anybody. Or anything like that do most people do dead side <laughs> and if so can we just invisibility versus undead to get anywhere in the zone or are there c invis mobs we should worry about hmm i don't i don't know if there's any c invis mobs that you'd run into the the hand you'd run into that would aggro you but i think everything else c invis will work oh sorry the bats, the bats there's bats yeah. there's bats spiders right near bedroom camp but once you get past those everything else uh, IVU will work against. Um, most people stick to dead side because it's much, much easier, uh, which means you'll go to lower gunk and people will be like, everything's camped, but then like all of all of live side is open. You know what I mean? So 
life site is harder, but it still has good loot, a lot of named mobs and great EXP, the same EXP bonus that, that dead site has. So, and actually probably more mobs. If you could do like castle in, in life side, you'll be able to go almost all the way to 50 there. Well, that's probably an over, overstatement. You can go easily to like 40 there and then go to king camp and you can do king right to 50. All right, we got a, a request from a listener, and I think they'll get a big kick out of you being the one to address this because okay. you know, I know you're humble, but everybody does look up to you in this community. I think Zade God is fitting because I think maybe there, there's a cult forming here, and if there is, I would like to be a lieutenant. Uh, I think Sean should also be a lieutenant. I think Sean's the guy when people are thinking of leaving the compound, he's like, come here, buddy. Let's talk about it for a minute first. Right. He kind of calms yeah, yeah, he down brings a little back. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like the cool... Uh, He's like the cool youth counselor at the church. Hey, I play guitar. I'm cool. Are you guys trying to say that I carry a knife in my back pocket? And like, <laughs> I just like, hey, it's not really time for you to leave yet. So I think uh, Chris is going to appreciate the fact that uh, Zade God is going to address this question. I got an email recently that said, uh, where's the Ranger love or even a friggin' mention? I'm a faithful listener on a limited budget. Uh, every time you guys list off classes of any kind, you never talk about Ranger. Seriously, though, easily the most under deserved, uh, underserved class in the game. It's my favorite. And then uh, goes on to talk about what characters they have and stuff and how good they are at fishing. So they're like, is it a good class? Is it a joke? Break it down. Um, yeah, so Ranger, is it a good class? Yeah, absolutely. I think Rangers can probably tank most of Classic, except for like a few mobs in Planet Sky. If they, you know, if they had a guild that wanted to let them have a shot, they have incredible uh, aggro capabilities. Um, and then in Kunark, they get Weapon Shield, which is an amazing ability that lets them just ignore damage for the most part, uh, melee damage that is, for quite a while. Um, Valius, they're okay. You know, they're, they're not as bad as Rogues. They have a lot of utility. And then starting in Luckland and Planes of Power, they get really good. They they become pretty dang good DPS. So overall, it's a good class. And somebody's got to loot the Ranger gear, right? So <laughs> wait, are you telling me that the Ranger can be uh like the tank in our six-person group in Lower Gook, for example? That that's oh fine? easy. Yeah, really? super easy. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. That changes I mean, things a little bit. I thought they were more of a polar DPS class. I didn't realize they could tank. They're all of the above. That's the the beauty of it. They can pull and then they can tank it when it gets to camp and they'll do more dps than a warrior would oh sweet rangers are sweet chris you're right all right sean oh sean did a little lean forward he doesn't need to, he doesn't want to say anything zade if you were to if you personally lived in the world of norath any expansion where are you putting castle zade we're talking anywhere it can be where there's currently mobs living you know where are you putting it and what does it look like is it a log cabin is it an ice castle where's castle zade <laughs> Oh man, that's a tough question. Hmm. Norath is a really dangerous place, you know. <laughs> um, I'm thinking I would put it out in East Karana. Oh, nice. I put it out in East Karana, right next to the waterfalls and everything. I think that'd be a good spot. I just like that area. The waterfalls is that the north side? I don't know if East Karana got a reskin. If it looks the same as we're used to seeing it in uh, in P ninety nine, yeah, it looks the same. The Karana's haven't been touched. Thank, okay. thankfully, please, <laughs> Dark Paw, please don't do it. All right. Well, speaking of touching stuff, uh, where do we go? I, 
<laughs> Go right. So um, I was watching uh, a loving robot on Twitch this morning interviewing uh, Tony Garcia. Wow, I need to catch that. I'm so excited yes. that he got Tony on there. That It was very exciting uh, to watch. And one thing I noticed right away is how much these guys truly care about this game and like where it goes from here. And like Tony was saying, like EQ is surviving right now, but I want to see it thrive, you know? And, and I know you love the lore, you know, and I think that's a big part of what can make it thrive is if you take the lore, you can turn it into so many different things, right? Um, what do you want to see, Zayd? I know, you know, it's just your opinion, just our opinions. You want to see a cartoon, you want to see a trading card game, you, know, <laughs> you want to see just a new version of video game of VR. Any, any thoughts of what you want? Yeah, I mean, I think that they already have what they need just with EverQuest 1. Um, what I, I think what they need to do is is a soft reboot. Like, you know, leave EverQuest 1 as it is and do whatever you want with that. But they need to go back to basically classic EQ, but just uh, add a few things. Keep the same, like maybe even the same engine, you know what I mean? Because EverQuest just feels right. The movement, right. the aggro, everything feels good. Uh, and I like that. And whenever you change the engine and everything, it, it you never recapture it quickly. So anyway, maybe keep that 30-year-old piece of crap engine that they have. Um, but really, they just just start with classic, and around Velius or Lucklin, everything goes down a different path, and we ignore everything that ever happened after that. Oh, fun! I like it. Um, so just I would, you know, just it's like a spiritual sequel to EQ, and uh, you just go different timeline with it, um, and from there on, everything will be new, but always using classic EQ as your guideline for how things should feel now the raids can be more complicated and more challenging but first and foremost the game should be mostly a, a group centric game right which means you shouldn't as much as i think velius was great and everyone remembers it fondly it was like one of the first expansions where it was like here's the expansion for raids you know what i mean yeah and i think that that was mostly a mistake so keep all the the, the pick zones and the agents of change and all that stuff for people but yeah, have uh, have the game remain group centric, and just advance things slowly along a different timeline with a new a new set of lore or a lore built to be as faithful as possible to the original visions. Because now it's just too hard. You can't make like okay, the twenty fifth expansion. We're gonna set this thing straight, and we're gonna no. get back on track. It's like <laughs> there's just too much that has you know what I mean. Too much has happened. Yeah, I don't think that'll work. And yeah, it's, it's all about the lore. Once you have great lore, you can do so many different medias with it, you know? Yeah. How how do you um how do you keep people coming back for you know, one of the things that that I stopped playing the game for was because it, it stopped feeling new, right? Like I'm just gonna go get this new weapon that replaces my old one. And and there, I don't know why, but prior to that happening, it didn't affect me the same way. So like the the whole power creep thing too, it just seems to affect the game in, in odd ways. How, do, do you have any advice or any ideas about how to avoid some of that stuff happening? The power creep and like the mudflation with gear and stats like that? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a tough one. Um, I know WoW has done this thing where they, they do like stat crunches and everything. Um, that probably is kind of like putting a patch on on it. You know what I mean? Like you're patching a leak. It feels very artificial. I think what you need to do is just accept that eventually it's going to get untenable and you have to make the increases small and slow to help fight it. You know, uh, there's a point where like EQ, you just start like seeing huge gains every expansion and right. it, things quickly spiral out of, 
out of control. Um, it was almost better, like classic Dakuna arc things were just like marginally better. And you could look at more cool effects rather than raw stats. Like Fungi Tunic is not a good chess slot, chess slot outside of the effect on it, but the effect is really cool. Yeah. Um, so there could be more stuff like that, more, more cool abilities. Like maybe um, this tunic, you can right click it and uh, you are immune to fear for one minute. You know what I mean? Things like that, where you're like, I'm getting this gear, not because it's plus 100 HP, but because it has a unique ability, which modifies how I can approach the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like there was something, I think we I got in a cave in the Luckland expansion that let me shrink. It was like the first clickable shrinky. And I thought oh, that yeah. was the e coolest Echo, item ever. Echo Caverns, the shrink wand. Yes. I camped that thing for so long back in the day, and I was so excited when I got it. Yeah. Now, if um if they do come out with future versions of this game and they blow up a little bit, all the collectibles that you have lined up behind you are going to go up in value because you got every EQ collectible ever made. It looks like, and I'm wondering what is the Black Lotus of EQ collectibles? We've talked about the comic book a lot. I've seen mm -hmm. you have it. We've actually read it on a bonus episode of ours. Uh, what is the item you're proudest of, or what, that was hardest to find? Man, I don't know what's the most valuable, like the Black Lotus. But what am I most proud of? That's tough. The the action figures were relatively expensive. Some of them, some of them were rare. Like you had to be part of like a club to order certain ones. Um, and I've gotten all the action figures now, um, in box and out of box. So that took a while. I think the so there's there's some items I don't have because they're so rare. I can't even get them. There is this one comic book I saw on eBay one time, and I regret not going all in on it. But uh, it's like this dinky little comic that came out with EverQuest Online Adventures. Um. And there are not many of them left in the world. So <laughs> I shouldn't even say it because I'm going to have to bid against somebody who listens to this next time one goes for sale. But yeah. It's funny, like that uh, that Jim Lee comic book. Uh, yeah. I bought it shortly after we started the podcast. And then somebody listening to this went to go buy one. And it's already like three times as much or something like that. Yeah. Pe people can start jumping on those collectibles, you know. Yeah. So there's a second EQ comic that came out, which is easier to get. I have the uh, I have the cover proof, like the proof printing framed right above my computer here. And then I have the Shisar uh, concept art um, from Keith Parkinson uh, on my other side here. I mean, that's How'd like, a, that? that's a one of, Did you get uh, that I just, no, I bought it on the Keith Parkinson store back, uh, back in the day before he passed away. Um, and it's a one of one, you know what I mean? There's only one concept art for it. That's sweet. Yeah, is, so, that, is it hand drawn? So, yes, yeah, it's, it's literally in pencil. Oh, that's tight. That's yeah, I'll badass. send you guys a picture after this. That's badass. Which yeah. of the action figures are the harder ones to get? Because I've looked at them a couple times. I feel like I, I see Fiona Vi or Fiona V, and I see like a troll sometimes. What are the other ones? So the troll Shadow Knight, there's a lot of troll action figures, but the Shadow Knight specifically, you had to be in like some kind of toy club exclusive group to get. So that one usually is the most expensive. After that, the Dark Elf Heretic was only sold at Electronics Boutique. Um, so that one is next rarest. And then the rest, the rest are like more or less the same, same rarity. There's a, a second wave of action figures that came out years later in like the Planes of Power era. Yeah. Um, of that one, they have Danik Dorntath, like a really cool Ixar looking one. They have uh, a Dark Elf from the, the box cover art. And then they have a, a Vashir. The Vashir is super rare because no one bought them. Mm. So they all went to a landfill somewhere. So I've only seen like two of the Vashir action figures ever. Only one of them was in box and I bought that one. Nice. 
All right. So if, and also if they do come out with some new stuff and, uh, and if we do believe in determinism, this has already been like, it's, whoa, <laughs> it she is. got no arms. Oh, it's like a bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a bust of from the It looks terrible, but this is pretty rare as well. There's a uh, 1500 of these in the world. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's, it's for those listening, it's like a bust, like, uh, like stomach up, like big headshot with the, with the top pony and all that of fear and about what, like maybe about a foot tall or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's probably like, like eight inches somewhere around there. All right. So we spoke a little bit about determinism last time you were on Zade. And I think, I think yeah. Sean dug it a little bit too, cause he, he studied philosophy a little bit and you, you kind of hinted that you might uh, believe in determinism a little bit. I know I personally mm -hmm. do, the more I learned about it, I'm like, well, this makes sense. This is kind of how I look at the world. Um, so I don't know how much you believe in it, but if, if you, if one does believe in determinism, how do we judge each other or like, be like, you did something wrong. You did something wrong. You should be punished because if you believe in determinism, they were always going to do that thing, no matter what, right. They didn't make a choice. Mm -hmm. so let's talk about it guys. Okay. Yep. So I, I do believe in determinism. I do not believe in free will. Um, but at the same time, I believe that we must operate as though, or I believe that I must operate as though I did have free will. And since I believe in determinism, I don't think I, I have a choice in it. Right. But like, <laughs> I think there is a, a persistent illusion of free will. It feels like you have free will. Um, but really you don't. That said, uh, within the context of having to live my life, I, I try to believe in like, um, extreme ownership. You know what I mean? So I, I try to look for, how I can control every situation I find myself in. And um, I used to have a teacher who I, I really loved, a professor who was one of my favorite professors. Um, and she used to say, uh, every day is what you make it. And as a kid, I was always like, what if you get struck by lightning? You know what I mean? I would try to right. challenge this. After every lesson, she would tell us every day is what you make it. And every day I would stay after class and I would, I would be that pretentious little piece of crap <laughs> who would try to come up with ways on how the day was not what I made it. Well, yeah, you told um, us you were a young ed edgelord. You said young Zayd yeah. was edgelord. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so she, I think in the end, she won me over, though. I really do believe that every day is what you make it. And, uh, like, no matter what happens, just about you had some influence over it and you had some ownership and and what happens to you and happens to those people around you. Um, and if you invested enough care and, and time and effort, you could do I really believe like personally that if, if I invest enough in myself in something, I can do anything. I love it. And I think that's one of the reasons people are drawn to you as well when you're streaming and just as a personality, I think you come across with a lot of confidence, but it's not the, it's not the confidence that you can like, you know, alpha a situation on somebody else. It's a confidence in yourself. It's like you carry yourself in that sense where like, you know who you are and you're very confident in what you're doing. There's a sense I get. And I think people are drawn to that. I think everyone has, has a lot more uh, to give than they think, you know, like when I see something difficult, I don't say to myself, like, uh, like, do I think I can do that? I, I look at it like, okay, if I want to achieve this goal, what must be done? And then once I identify what I think it takes, I say, am I willing to do that? The question is never if you can do it because humanity has a, a deep well to draw from, you know what I mean? It's always, if you have the will to, to do what must be done. You can always do it. 
Sean, you break. I don't think we can hear you, Sean. We're supposed to put our hand up when when we can't hear Sean. That tells him that the okay. super glue connection stopped working. It's not <laughs> super glue. I don't know what's wrong with my USB port. I think it's amazing that you have that ability, and um, I don't think a lot of people are aware of it when they do have it. But when you are aware of it and you're able to empower other people with it, and we've talked about this a little bit before too when we first met you. Um, that that is what makes a great leader, and like it is what makes people want to follow somebody. But it's not because they think that they're you know you're going to win for them it's because you're going to lift them up you're going to you're going to be an uplifting figure in their life and and you are going to put them in a better situation so i think there's a lot of power to that for sure thank you so uh can you tell everybody before i got a couple more questions but before we get into that really quick let everybody know where they can find you on uh on twitch and and when you've been streaming these days Yep. So uh, I I don't have a set streaming schedule anymore because just because my my work hours changed. And you guys know I've been supposed to be training for a big fiscal yeah. uh, uh, goal of then, mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got all that going on. So I have been neglecting Twitch, but I'm looking to to get back on it, get back on that train. So I did that th you know 36 hour stream on launch, and then I did like one more stream since then, just to show off my level one paladin with like the fiery avenger and stuff. Um, Right. Aren't you announcing today that you're going to be doing hot tub stream from here on forward? That you're yeah, that's, you're going that to is the truth. Yeah. So I've been a working corn and a black marker and a little sharpie board and write deep subs names on it and stuff like that. Oh, that's what the physical the physical event was. I needed to get those washboard abs before I could do my hot tub stream. Yeah. Somehow I don't think you got to work too hard, brother, to uh, make that happen. Um, how is it going? How is the um, how is the training going? Honestly, I, I gotta tell the truth. I've I've slacked off a little bit. It's hard for me to focus on two separate things, and like uh, my focus was drawn into EQ and the guild and the server and everything very heavily. So I have since then neglected my physical fitness more than I would like to. But it ebbs and it flows, and I'm confident I'll get back on that wagon. Like I've I've been hitting my weightlifting workouts, but I have not been putting in the miles that I should. You know, on my legs. Uh, see, I need to get back there. Bad right, well, me. If I see you on EQ, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, it's time to go run. Go, go take four right. or five. Go, go, go get a couple miles in." Well, yes, right. I've seen you on EQ. This is why we actually had you on Zade. Where's our guild tag, buddy? All <laughs> yeah, of I need our, to get you. all the people in our Discord it's are not, tagged. They're all his, don't blame him. Don't, don't you dare blame no, him. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm blaming myself. I think everybody with a guild tag is level 50. Here we are at 29, being like, "Can we get a guild tag too, please?" We don't play very much, but please. It's a flex, right? When I, cause I'm always putting together groups, right? I'm the person who's always inviting people to groups. And if they're like, oh, this person's in faceless virtue, they don't know that I actually suck, right? It's like, I'm kind of using your guys' reputation as well. A, it's a they might flex. think you suck because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, but seriously, let's, let's talk MTG for a second here because you know, you flexed the Black Lotus. You showed us that you have a Black Lotus. Uh, and I, I think the first time we ever talked, I didn't even believe it at first. Uh, when did you start playing uh, Magic the Gathering? I started playing Magic. Um, man, you know, when I was a young kid, I saw some kids with uh, a binder of cards. And I didn't play Magic yet, but I was really intrigued. Yeah. And I wanted to play, but I was like a nerd. And they were like, they were like older kids. You know what I mean? And I was like a third grader. And they're like, get out of here, nerd. <laughs> so um, a few years after that, man, I had to be like eight, I guess. So before EverQuest, I found some magic cards at a flea market for 50 cents. Oh, and that's come what got on. me into it. Yeah. 
Oh, I wonder how much that 50 cents worth of cards are worth now. Oh my goodness. Um, what was your favorite color back in the day when you first started getting into it? What drew you in? Was it the big reds, big green stompy creatures or killing monsters with black spells? What'd you like? Um, I liked, uh, I liked black decks. Hmm. Yeah. I was drawn to like the, like, I want to make like skeleton and zombie kind of decks. Um, I think I played everything except for green as, as I've gone through my life. You know what I mean? When I was a a young college student, I was all into red deck wins and burn decks. That was when I'll draw you. They're so good, right? Yeah. Like turn one goblin guide. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I remember um, I tried to go to a modern tournament once and I didn't have hardly have any cards. That's when I first started getting into it. And I'm like, I'll just start building one. And I'll work it out over time. So I built the red deck wins, but I had like no goblin guides and none of the some of the other key cards, and I just got smoked by everybody. Um, so did you like do any tournaments or would you play on moto or would you play with friends? Uh yeah, I used to go to tournaments and stuff. I wasn't I'm not a good magic player or anything. Um I really didn't like the pressure of going to tournaments. You know what I mean? Like I like to play casually most for the most part. Uh, so yeah, that was more my thing, but I did, I did go to some and like local tournaments, I would, I would win or get top two every now and then. Um, but when I played a lot in the tournament scene, I didn't have the expendable income I have now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like trying to do what I could without the best decks. And then by the time I could just make whatever kind of deck I wanted, I was more interested in just having fun. And that's why I got to like playing commander, which commander is a, go- a great way to solve a problem where you have too much uh, money. <laughs> you play that and you're like, yeah, fix it. Take my money. That's just hilarious. That's hilarious. So do you still dabble in commander every now and again then? I haven't played it in a couple of years. Um, and that's just like a, a company thing. I wasn't crazy about how like the direction Wizards was taking the game. So I boxed all my cards up for the most part. And I haven't touched them. I'm sure they'll break out again one of these days. Uh, what, one day, I'm sure. What would you play in Commander? Um, I have a Shahudun deck. So Shahudun is one of the guys from Portal 3 Kingdoms, which is kind of an obscure set. I like playing like weird things like that. Yeah. But my deck was a mono black stacks deck. It, it basically like... No matter how many players were there, the yeah. goal for me was to influence the table and constrict people's options for play until no one could do anything. Uh, okay, so stacks, for those who don't know, I believe is a strategy where you make everybody sacrifice uh, their resources every turn, as well as yourself, but you build your deck in a way where you have uh, disposable items to sacrifice. Meanwhile, they're sacrificing their lands, they're sacrificing their only creature. Right. Is that kind of the way that, that that works? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm willing to sacrifice my stuff too. Right. You know, like my deck is built to to play while everything is sacrificed. Dude, nobody more or less. It when you show up at the table, then that's one of those decks where it's like, let's go. Yeah, they're like, like okay, play your other deck, deck now. No fun. <laughs> that, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> oh, no. Zade's bringing his stacks deck. Everybody pull out their good decks, or else this is going to be horrible. None of us are going to get to play. What's the plan going forward with um, with the guild and like and now that it's it is everything that that it was and and blew up to be, like what is the what is the the next big thing for you guys besides Kunar coming out in what five days? Kunar, oh god, I hope it's not five days. It's close though. It's coming seven, up fast. I think. Seven yeah. days. Seven seven days. Seems so fast. So the original expansion was only one month, and I hear Kunark's going to be two months. Two months, yeah. So yeah, fast. two months for Kunark. 
So what, what do you got? What's like, what's the, I mean, maybe you can't tell us everything, but like, what are the goals? What are your ideas? I know you've got officers in place. Now you got people doing all the charts and getting, make sure the loot gets sent out the 400 items get sent out daily. What else? What's, what's um, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like what I like to do is go as fast as possible and do content faster than people previously thought you could, but it's just, our guild is not built for that. You know what I mean? Normally, to, to do like record breaking, like try to do as fast as you possibly can. Expansion releases, you have a large guild and you use DKP incentives to get them like few chance peak. We'll funnel keys to a select few people and those people can clear the expansion where if like you had 40 people try to farm 40 keys, it would take right. a while. But if you have 400 people try to farm 40 keys and they all yeah. just say like, here's the key piece, it's very fast. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a GDKP guild isn't really built like that. We don't have a guild bank, so it's not like I can give them platinum, right? Which is like more or less what our chrono is. Right. So do, is it going to work where you can just like sell a pain soul to somebody? That's that item for those who don't know to try to get into Vishan's peak, you need to farm like nine things and the pain soul can take people days and days just to get that one thing. Yeah, I think you'll be able to trade that. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. So you can just get the whole key and then just trade it to somebody. Uh, the final key you can't, but everything else separately you can. Okay. So you can get all the pieces. The Vishen's peak is kind of a pain though, because the pieces are called like a piece of a medallion, and a lot of times uh, people will get confused and will turn them in <laughs> incorrectly and lose their piece. Hmm. Or I suppose you could even trick somebody, huh? Like, oh, this is the hard one to get. Here, I'll trade you this, and it turns out it's it's not the hard one to get. Yeah. Um, the hardest ones for us will probably be Ancient Jarsath. Um, Ancient Jarsath and the Ground Spawns in Swamp of No Hope. Yeah. They're a big pain. Well, have you been uh, making alts then? Are you, uh, you got your Paladin? Um, was it a Paladin you ended up doing? I can't remember now. Yeah, so I my Paladin is not leveled up yet, but I've got a 50 Mage, a 50 Necro. I'll have a 50 Druid, and I will sometime before Kunark hopefully have a 50 Paladin and a 50 Bard. And do you, is it easier now that you can just twink them out with planar gear at level one? Has it never been so easy to power level a character before on a TLP? Um, yeah, it's a lot easier. It's, it, I mean, it makes a huge difference, and it's also a lot more fun, you know what I mean, just to see what crazy stuff you could do. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Like my paladin basically had all but the last step of his epic complete at level one. You know what I mean? With haste from plane of sky <laughs> right. and all of his planar armor. That's amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to Kunark. I don't know if Shauna and I are ever going to be able to level as much to start. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, maybe planes of power, maybe in like, you know, five months or something like that. But we're poking around. But we, we are really looking forward to be able to raid with you guys sometime and uh, are really grateful for even uh, even getting offered uh, to join. And also just super grateful that you came on here again, man. You are working hard. You are you are keeping busy. And I appreciate you making the time to join us and uh, our listeners today. No, it's it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for inviting me again. It's been a blast. Sorry at the at the end here, um, our we're having some issues with a, a bot that we made, like a Discord bot, and everyone's panicking. So I'm trying to like fix it on the side here. Yeah, see that's that's what happens. To, and you don't what do you get out of it, right? It's like where, where's my paycheck for running this guild, right? That's sometimes what I, I wonder. Why do guild leaders do it? Like they don't get paid, and it's so much work. It's got to be like some kind of a 
like personality disorder or something <laughs> that compels you. I think it's lifting everybody else up. Zaid is a god. Um, we want to thank you again for being here. You're always amazing. You are the breath and width of the EverQuest community. Um, everybody loves you, man. And I, I want to I wanna make sure you know that. I think you already do. But like everybody that I talk to and everybody that shouts out the podcast, you know, might, wants me to make sure that you know that. So uh, Thanks. It, gets told, it gets told to me a lot. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you too, man, and everything you do. So th thank you very much for taking the time. Hey, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to hear more from Purple Elf Productions, check out Valheim Podcast, where Jeff and Sean explore the beautiful world of Valheim, a new survival game which is hailed as Minecraft meets Dungeons and Dragons. Journey with Jeff and Sean as they try to survive the harsh elements, bloodthirsty monsters, and deadly campfires.